There are two things that I wish to cover today. One comes from the first reading, and the other from the Gospel. Today we begin our readings from the book of Exodus, which is the second book of the Bible. We went through Genesis first, and now we go to the book of Exodus. And for the next three weeks, we'll be hearing readings from the book of Exodus. Why would the church wish to spend so much time on the book of Exodus? Why? Because the book of Exodus gives the foundation of the new people of God, the people of the covenant. Before that, we had Abraham and his family, Isaac and his family, as we know, Jacob and his 12 sons and their families. And because of, of uh, the, the, uh, uh, the difficult situation of famine, Joseph, one of the, bro- one of the sons of Jacob, moved the whole family to, to Egypt to protect them from famine, seven years of, of absolute famine. Many, many people died during that. And so Joseph says the family. But now the book of Genesis is forming not only the family, but also the whole people of God. And so, as you know, why did God reveal himself to Abraham? So that people may come to know the true God. And this true God promised Abraham that he'll multiply him as long as they remain faithful to him. And so he did. The family grew. Finally, the family grew and became a a nation in Egypt. But then we have historical, right at the very beginning of this book of Exodus, a new king who knew nothing of Joseph came to power in Egypt. A new dynasty came, a new dynasty. A new dynasty did not know of the past. They want to start off from the beginning. A new king, a new political leader, new strong leader, he says, look, there's just too many of those non-Egyptians here. There'll be a voting block, <laughs> whatever they may be. They'll choose the enemies against us. And so we've got to sh- deal shrewdly with them. It's a political shrewd decision. We will make them slaves. They won't have the freedoms. They will have to work hard. And not only that, he wanted to use them as an economic force to build up cities, to build up especially cities whereby, uh, you know, for, for commerce. Uh, so this is what, what this what they did, and so continues when the, the scripture continues. So accordingly, taskmasters were set over the children of Israel to oppress them with forced labor. Thus, they had to build for Pharaoh the supply cities of of Pithom and Ramses. Yet the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread, which means the policy didn't work. So the next policy is to eliminate children, eliminate boys. And we will go tomorrow and the day after tomorrow, the story of Moses. It's, a, again, a type of decision. It says, OK, we've got to control the population here. Again, you know, did we change 3,500 years ago? Did we kind of change? I don't think so. We still have similar policies. We still come up with the same decisions. We try to make human decisions without really reference, any reference to God. Because we're thinking, and well, we've got to be wise. We've got to have this shrewd political type of decision making. But then, so then the Pharaoh then commanded all his subjects to throw into the river every boy 
that is born to the Hebrews, but you may let all the girls live because then they have fathers who are not you know, Jewish and they have a control over, again, the population and beliefs. Why do we go back to the book of Exodus? Because we see how God has formed the people with the anticipation and expectation ultimately of the Messiah, Jesus. It's from Abraham on. God, from the very beginning, as he revealed himself, is not because he wanted to, for us to know him, which is true, because we need to know the true God, but also he wanted to tell us that he has created us for a particular type of relationship to be with him, and then to anticipate and prepare the people for the coming of the, of the, of the Son of God. That is why. That is why we're reading this book of Genesis, because we, the, we see the great acts of God on behalf of a covenant people, people of the covenant, as he established this covenant with them. And then see how he does, how he protects them from, from being taken advantage. He frees them. How he also gives them special type of code of holiness, commandments, how to live a way of life that, that is truly worthy of God that it brings true justice, that brings true respect for each other, that arranges the pro properly the values, first of God and neighbor. And so this is what we have. We have the, the book of Genesis, I mean, book of Exodus as a way of entering into, into a com coming of knowledge of God, coming to know how he prepared the people with this, this truth, how to live with truth, how to come to know him. But there's also one very important element here is that as God has revealed himself, it was always through individual. Yes, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. And then subsequently, as we can see even more so through Moses, it's, it's the, the very importance of us as individuals as we, with our own free will, with our own free awareness of ourselves, of our needs, God who enters into this world of ours. And this is why today's gospel is very important. It seems to us that Jesus maybe, you know, may, may, may look like he's too demanding, unless you, you know, uh, unless you, you, you love, uh, unless you don't love me first, more than your father, mother, daughter, and mother-in-law, uh, and unless you deny, you know, mother, father, son, and daughter, you're not worthy of me. It seems like very tough, very tough. Is God asking us not to love our brother, uh, sons, daughters, mothers, fathers? No, absolutely not. But what it is, it says something's very powerful is the love, because the word, that Greek word uses, which we translate into love, whoever loves son, daughter more than me is not worthy of me. To love is that, that, that type of philos, philia, the Greek word, is a tender love. What it is is there's, God respects our freedom. Here he says that there are cultures, there's peoples, there's tribes who said, you love the tribe first, above all. You love your family members, and so you'll be feuding for three or 400 years because some relative of yours did something to your family, therefore you're gonna remain enemy for the rest of your life because you choose 
family first. It's, it's choosing not something that we would like, you know, to say, well, this is the value. I, you, know, uh, the, 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 you know, I follow the church, church's guidance, but in this case, I'm not. I reject the church because I believe that this is something greater than, 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 than whoever cares about the church or no. Yes, in the church itself, there are men and women who, as John Paul II said during the year, remember the year of, of the, the Jubilee of, of, of 2,000 years, where he says we have to acknowledge our own brokenness. The church, men and women of the church, sons and daughters of the church did great harm to many, and we have to acknowledge that because just because they belong to a church, that doesn't mean they follow Christ. Just because they belong to... The, the, the church, that does not mean they live a Christian way of life because they could use the church or faith or Christianity for other purposes. And we do know, we do know that that takes, place, that takes place. And so Jesus says today to us through that gospel reading is Jesus, not only Jesus, but God, because in Jesus we see the Father. In Jesus we see the Father because God, although as a trin trin Trinitarian God, God three persons, but this God is one. There's only one God. There's only God's, God's grace and will and love and mercy is only one, but is manifested to us in Jesus, in the Holy Spirit and the Father. Jesus manifests God. So when he says, it does not, whoever does not, who loves more mother, mother or father more than me, meaning God, which means, you know, we may, we may say this, you know, uh, how many people got married were not exactly pleasing their mothers or fathers? There's plenty. How many people who have entered religious life of priesthood who are not exactly pleasing their mother or father, who made very strong decision, you can't do this, you can't do that, and yet, why? Love, love. Why would you want to marry somebody and go against your mother and father if you didn't love that person? Maybe the parents saw the weaknesses of the other and maybe we should have listened. However, that's not the case. It's love that dominates because that's love is a criteria. And the same thing here is love of the Lord. It's not because we want to just say, we're gonna go against our parents or you're gonna go against our children or so, or children against their parents. Is because of love. God becomes a, a type of, of a personal gift to us that we can't just let go. We experience his love. We experience something that touches our hearts so profoundly that we're able to say yes to him even when we have to go against parents. And we have to say, I, I know that I love you as parents, but in my heart, I've got to move in this direction because of love, not because we hate ourselves, because we hate our life, no. When Jesus uses the words, kind of stronger words, unless you reject your life, you, you, you will not find it. Because the Lord says to us is that choosing me is not choosing something less, but something greater. Choosing me is to choose the greater love. Choosing me is to, to choose a greater reality that you can ever come up and conjure up on your own. Yes, you can follow, you will, 
and it's wonderful. You can do that. We're free. God is freeing us, giving us the freedom. But once doing our will sets God aside, his commandments aside, and so on, it only leads to disaster, only leads to destruction, because we can't. The very essence of who we are is, 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 is made true and real only in God. We share in, in, the, in the divine life, we share in him, and God is all goodness, all love, all mercy, kindness. And this is when we participate in that love, mercy, kindness in our God. Again, the Lord says, whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it, for my sake. That's, that's the promise that Jesus gives. And those who follow him do know and understand that the harmony that comes, the deeper level of knowledge that comes, the deeper sense of hope that comes, and, and, and it is that type of fulfillment that we attain and arrive at. Because it's not that we, we choose because we want to follow some principle or some idea, whatever it may be, is we follow someone who's a person. And this is where we come next one. Unless you take up your cross and follow me, you, you won't make it. You won't have the happiness. What does it mean? Does it mean just to follow what Jesus did? Yes, in some ways, yes. But even more so, to be like Christ, to carry the cross for ourselves, for others, to carry the brokenness, the sinfulness, the, the sufferings, which by which we wish to eliminate that suffering from others. That's carrying of the cross. So it's not a mother who loves a child who's sick or parents who take care of their children, you know, despite, you know, from the beginning on for so many years, they carry the cross for their children. You know, how many times you may even find employers or, employ or bosses who say, want to lessen you, your responsibility. I'll give you an extra day off or something or some for a good thing. Maybe you don't find too many of those. But nonetheless, someone who does take care, you know, and, and this is something that, that we see. So it's taking up the cross like Jesus taking it upon ourselves and caring for others. And that is redemptive. That is healing. That is fulfilling, ultimately. It's better to, to give than to receive, because there's a greater joy in giving, although receiving is wonderful. Giving life to another, the joy of giving life. That's, that's what we have. And then the Lord says to us and continues, and he says, whoever receives you, receives me. Which means that if we are truly living a Christian life, and we are giving an example of carrying the cross, then, then we welcome the one who has sent us. You know, I have to say, many times I feel, the, I feel like I'm, I receive a lot more than, than I'm able to even give, or in whatever way, is because People who love Jesus, they seem to extend the love for me. Why? I didn't do anything. I'm a broken man like everyone else. And yet, why would people give this extra kindness to me? Or, you know, they would wish to help me out in many ways. And the only reason is because 
they know that I do wish to love Jesus, and you wish to love Jesus too. And so we want to help each other. And that's, that's, that's the whole thing. That's, that's why Jesus says today, whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. And the one who sent me is the father of love, the father who knows no bounds in terms of wishing us the greatest gifts. He created us, created us free, we can choose. He created us with abilities, with knowledge, things that we can do, our own will. And yet he wants us to be attuned to that will, attuned to his ways, attuned and welcome his ways, commandments, the instruction that he gives us so that we may not only benefit here on earth of the good relationship with one another, respect the dignity, but also ultimately receive the fullness of life. Whoever receives a prophet because he's a prophet will receive prophet's reward. That means you acknowledge someone who's prophetic, you listen to him, you, you are kind to him, and then you receive the blessings of the prophetic gifts that God has entrusted to that person. The same way whoever gives you a cup of cold water to the one who, of these little ones to drink, because he is a disciple, amen, I say to you, he will surely not lose his reward. But then the Lord goes even further, in, in, not in this passage, but he says, but be kind to your enemies, do good to those who hate you. And then you will be like God. Yeah, it's kind of tough call for Christians. Nonetheless, are we able to do less than the one who has sent us because he empowers us. He doesn't send us without the weapons of, of, of faith, the weapons of hope, you know, the shield that protects us. No, he empowers us. And the, and the way we receive his empowerment is by listening to him, like yesterday's gospel, to listen to God's word, to listen, allow that word to come, to produce fruit, to listening to the gospel, to meditate on it, to pray, to receive the Eucharist, to participate in the sacrifice of Jesus himself on the cross, to do works of kindness. All these things are the, the very means by which we receive the grace to be like the Son of God and on ultimate share in his glory. So our help is in the name of the Lord made heaven and the earth. If it wasn't for the Lord, the people say, what will happen to us? The, the enemies will have swallowed us alive when the fury is angry and flame. If it wasn't for the names of the Lord, the waters have engulfed us. You know, the waters of evil, everything else would have engulfed us, would have been coming to us. They would have swept over us. These raging waters of hate and division and whatever else. These would have sought us, but our help is in the name of the Lord, because he has rescued us like a bird from the fowler's snare. We went our own way, got trapped. Fowler's snare, couldn't get out. A, you know, we have a string around our, our legs. We can't go anyplace. We can't fly anymore. But then the Lord frees us like a, he frees the bird from the fowler's snare. What beautiful readings, words of God. Each day, the Lord wants to nourish us with his words. So may we then today, as we continue with the sacred liturgy, we will participate in the self-offering of Jesus on the cross, because that's what Mass is. We enter into the timelessness of Jesus offering himself, and from him, from his heart, pours forth blood and water, 
the sword that pierced his heart is also the sword of, of love. He allowed himself to be pierced so that love may pour forth upon us the blood and water, the redemptive grace, the Baptist confession, sacrament of the anointing of the sick, and also the Eucharist. May we then ask the Lord to open our hearts more so that we may receive more and more, because then we will attain more and more of that divinizing power of God given to us in Jesus, our Lord, leads us to himself. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.